Oh, yeah. Turn uh, me on. Turn me on. Uh. <laughs> Last week, Scott was entranced, get it, <laughs> by Ian Vandal, but it's yet another week of glory for Kylie. For Liam, the intelligence of Miss Dynamite's anti-bling anthem was alluring, but Sugar Babes actually stayed on. Welcome to the Naughtiest Naughty Podcast. Scott and Liam here going through every top 10 single of the Naughty's decade because uh, lots of people are in agreement. It was the best one for pop music. We're still trying to figure out the definition of pop, but we are going through every single single in chronological logical order, lord, 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 lord. But not... not not the people that are convicts these days. No. We are going through everything. We're choosing episode winners each week. We have got ongoing series winners. The episode winner has to go head to head against the series winner. And by the end of it, we should have our definitive best pop songs of the decade. We hope, mm. really. Yeah, we hope. This week, Scott, you're in the studio. Uh, actually, well, when we get into the main bit of the stuff, we are both together. But for the sake of this thing, I'm currently in my flat. Uh-huh. We're welcome to, uh, to Casa Del uh, Milburn, it's nice. It's um, this is the first one. This is your. This is your like your. I would. I was gonna say uh, uh, something pad, but you know, um, it's probably not that. But you know, <laughs> no, it, it really isn't. No, uh, the, the 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 bin smells too much for anybody to come back uh, ever. Just flush them, flush them. Don't <laughs> bin them, Liam. What have I told you? Smells like the what fish ha- key in his room. <laughs> Ugh. What I, what I have got is like a nice. So as part of the flat, there's like a six. Um, shelves unit on the wall i'll send you a picture and it's like the perfect shape and size to put records in and like display them properly Mm. so where i am in my room now i've got a wall which has scissor casey musgraves jesse ware charlie xcx rena sawayama and lord it's my wall of pop girlies right and i'm really proud of it that's great and stuff but those shelves are not an invitation to spend all of your money on records that you shouldn't be buying in the first place okay so yeah that, pace yourself. That's, be good that, that's what i needed to hear thank you scott i did okay. need somebody to, to, to say those words because it has you know the record player sitting right beside them all isn't it yeah yeah it is yeah yeah, yeah. go easy go easy son yeah <laughs> I'm, tr- I'm i'm trying yeah i'm sacrificing any kind of nutritious food just to make sure i have the new uh the new Lord record in a few weeks' time. Okay. Yeah, the, new, the single is whatever. a banger, actually. I really like the single. It's very good. Isn't it just? Oh, it's going to be so good. good. Um, <laughs> so today we're doing a Kylie track. Your winner is currently Kylie Scott. So yes. potentially Kylie versus Kylie, but we'll get to that if it comes to it. Mm-hmm. One thing I forgot to mention, because we always record the chat bit a bit earlier and then we'll call the intro now just so we can get all your comments and stuff in there, which we'll get to very shortly. There's actually already a song called Love at First Sight from Kylie that isn't the one we're talking about today. Did you know did you know this, Scott? Um yes I did. I can't particularly remember, but I didn't know that was a thing. It's from way back in her first album in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh she'll play a little clip. This is the original from back in like nineteen eighty eight, Love at First Sight. Yeah. Crazy. Oh, oh. And something I also mm. forgot to mention, which I can't believe I forgot to mention, is that the B-side of the track we're talking about, Love at First Sight, the B-side was the amazing mashup was Blue Monday. Oh, Let's play a little yes. bit of that as well. 
Brit Award song. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But I, I felt mm-hmm. like we had to revise history and we had to make sure that I got in there somewhere because those two things are both too good to not mention. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll get to Kylie very shortly, but first, some of your comments from last week's songs. Uh, and we'll start with Kinsalia on Twitter who says, Miss Dynamite, it takes more wins for me. It's tough with Eminem without me because his lyrics make me wince a bit now. Yeah. But musically, the hooks, etc., still hold up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Re Westlife, Bop Bop Baby. Well, I will never believe the wonderful, glorious Beach Boys inspired that boring, dull song. Yeah, um, I, I'm with it. I'm with it there. I don't. I don't see how that's happened. I don't. No. Obi Moo said, "I still remember most of the radio edit words of Without Me, uh, but it takes more as a stone cold classic. Not enough to take the series." but a very good track. Mm. And uh, one here from Picadisc who says, I have such a complicated relationship with Eminem. Without Me is the lead single for the Eminem show, one of my favourite albums, and some of his lyrics haven't aged well. Yet, for the most part, I still feel as if there's complete self-awareness at this point of his career, which is both a good and a bad thing. Yet, technically... He's at the top of the game here. Yeah. I mean, he manages to rhyme the 60s Batman theme, which is true. Yeah. yeah, very good. And I listen to him a lot. I've got to pick without me. I think it's um, it's it's one that you you have to have these moral conversations about, isn't it? You can, you can love it, but it, you equally have to kind of go like, morally, am I okay picking this because of all the... You know, the connotations that come with Eminem and his kind of flowery, controversial way of doing things. But it turns out that lots of you did pick him as winner because he was the winner of the poll. 41.7% ahead of Atomic Kitten, 292 ahead of Miss Dynamite, doing respectably with 208 And predictably, Ian Vandal, the one that's not on Spotify, reason, uh, pulling up the rear, 8.3%. <laughs> that means that Ian Vandal's the best one because, like, whenever we choose ones, you know, the, 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 the ones that are a bit more commercial and manufactured sometimes end up on top, don't they? So, yeah. so we, that's Ian Vandal's one of for me. You know what I mean? I guess so. Yeah. We'll, 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 <laughs> if, you, if you say so. Uh, coming up today, though, could Kylie face Kylie for Scott's series winner? We'll find out later on. But there's also challenges from the literal king of rock and roll, the queen of quarantine, and a group of German happy hardcore heroes. Ooh, I did see a post this week of Kylie looking at Kylie in the face and waxworks, so it mm. could be that all over again. But also we're going to bring Dirty Dance vibes from Paffendorf, plus something a little lighter from Mooney. Um, and actually some dark and gritty rock and roll with Puddle of Mud and Chad Kroger as well. Uh, But first... Let's start a new week. It's the 9th of June 2002. World Cup fever still very much in play. The holders France, who obviously did so well in 98 to win the tournament, they're gone out of the group stage. They were dismal. But South Korea, who obviously were holding the tournament, they got through as group winners ahead of Portugal, who didn't qualify, which is a bit crazy. Uh-huh. Republic of Ireland got through. They beat Saudi Arabia 3-0 and they got five points in total. They got through quite easily. England squeezed through. They got a point against Nigeria to qualify for the last 16, where they beat Denmark 3-0. So we'll find out very soon if they can beat Brazil in the quarterfinal. Spoiler alert, well, you know you know what happens next. <laughs> uh, meanwhile on TV, Ant and Dec's Saturday Night Takeaway started. Oh, wow. All those years ago. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it took a little break here and there, but generally it's been on TV ever since. Nay, 20 years old. Jeekers. I think they were, do you think they were done with it before lockdown and they had to come back and they were going to announce that it wasn't going to continue? Nah. No? I, no. I thought it was over. I felt they were over and done with it. Mm. And then they've kind of... It has got a, it's got a new lease of life now though, with all the lockdown stuff like ever it's like there's so much more like because the show's changed so much from being like oh it's daft pranks and stuff now it's kind of like we're giving back to you like the show's so 
like yeah. kind of like Greg James breakfast show. Really wants, it's all about like it's all about you. It's not about us. It's about you. So it's it lockdown's given it a new kind of like mm-hmm. a new purpose. I think which is quite nice. Uh, meanwhile, Paul McCartney got married to uh, Heather Mills. Who oh, is, do you remember that? Who is from? Well, she she went to school in uh, Washington, where I went to school. Yes, she did. Yeah, I. Yeah. Uh-huh. Tracks that weren't in the top ten. There's some more World Cup things. Last week there was nine tracks uh, that were in the same week of all World Cup theme with England playing their first games. Eighty six. Another one of these novelty ones from Fat Les, who obviously did Vindaloo and did oh, yeah. Jerusalem. Their latest one. I'm not going to play it because there's no point. It's called Who Invented Fish and Chips. Interesting. Mm. Better at number 43 was New Order, World in Motion, a okay, classic. Yeah. Well, let's get a bit of John Barnes going, how are you? You've got to hold a gift for doing it at the right time. You can be slow or fast, but you must get to the line. They'll always hit you and hurt you. Defend and attack. There's only one way to beat them. Get round the back. Catch me if you can, because I'm the And number 12, not World Cup related, but a track we've mentioned because we were quite sad that it wasn't going to get in top 10. No doubt, at 12, hella good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very nice. This is good. Okay, so tracks that did get in. It's a, a short week in terms of new entries. Only seven, eight, and nine on new. The top six stayed largely the same, which means that Will Young still number one was Light My Fire. Number seven is a track from Paffendorf. It's called Be Cool. Everybody be cool. You be cool. This is a German techno project consisting of Ramon Zenker, who we know because he's part of Fragma. Mm. You've got Gottfried Engels and Nicholas Valley as well, who are Bellini, who had that, uh, was it Bellini? Samba de Janeiro. Yeah, so that's them guys. We're straight in with the number seven. I put this down as a bit of an intro juice. It's not a full intro juice for a dance track, but it's a weird intro juice I probably probably shouldn't say juice as much when the first um, lyrics I wanted deep yeah Um, were you aware of this no you'd never heard this before no which is weird because it's got samples from uh, film dialogue so the the dialogue is uh, George Clooney in the Robert Rodriguez directed and Quentin Tarantino written uh, 1996 action vampire film from Dusk Till Dawn which I've not seen I'm a big Tarantino fan but I haven't seen that film so am, am I a big fan? I guess I guess not, no so there's there's, there's, there's the dialogue here there's a male voice and there's a female voice he says stuff like you, everybody be cool you, you be, be cool. cool and then she's just doing stuff like oh yeah turn uh, me on turn me on uh. <laughs> oh. sorry for anybody having their breakfast or, oh. or, or, or commuting to work and I've done that to you or you lucky sod yeah I might I might pan that in the uh, in the mix just in one ear <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm going to do that. That'd be funny. So yes, this is a strange one. I hadn't heard this before. You, you, you obviously knew it, and this, this kind of yeah. like this weird sexiness must have appealed to you at 18. We are back to. I've played this on the radio while you've been my producer. Damn it. Yeah. Um. This was strange because I loved, loved, loved this, and still love Loveless to the point where last week. Must have been on Saturday. I was sitting doing some work in the living room trying to add songs to my new database for my new radio station, you know, plug, plug, plug. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I had to, I was top, I was topping and tailing it. So I was trying to make sure that the start of it sounded correctly and it didn't fade off or anything like that. And my wife heard it and she went, oh my God, are you playing that? And then I was like, <laughs> actually, yeah, the, the start of that's really weird. So she completely downgraded it for me by her comment and passing on Saturday. Mm. But then now that you've just explained the lyrical part of it, it's gone right back up. Yeah. So yeah, because now cool. I know that it wasn't somebody that's decided to actually just say those words and that was them trying to write a song. Yeah. It's way more acceptable because at face value, lyrically, it looks really, really pants. Yeah. And it always was pants. We always knew that it was stupid. You know, it was it was a joke. You'd be cool. But production wise, yeah, it's so actually a massive. Cool. Ma- yeah. Yeah, um, nobody. Yeah, like you say, if somebody had written that, this wouldn't have been number seven. The fact it's got like a yeah, it, it's yes. taken from somewhere. But like, let let's reflect on the fact that these these were lines written from a film by Tarantino, because of course they were. This is this has got Tarantino's dialogue written all over it. It's all kind of like snappy, like cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like for someone like Tarantino, who's so known for the the way he uses music in his films, it's nice to see it flipped here to see like his you know writing being used in music. It's it's it 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 feels like. Like like a, a relationship that he he deserves to mm-hmm. to have, and and this this feels fitting for him because it's just like it's a bit cringe, <laughs> but that's that's kind of I think a lot of people see Tarantino as being quite cringe. I wonder I wonder oh, why maybe. I wonder why these bits of dialogue were chosen just because they sound cool or was it to make a a point about the um I didn't know if it was religious or not because at one point he goes God made me cool I'm like <laughs> really I'm not I'm I'm not anything and um, but I dislike that bit because I don't like on mass cultiness and um, so I didn't understand why that was in there really but yeah if it's a Tarantino I'm kind of a bit more yeah. on board with it really but yeah I think that Gronies may be a bit unnecessary now in this day and age and that's the element of it that hasn't excuse me would you mind taking me to the next level yeah oh. mm-hmm so yeah. strange and I do have a couple of tracks like that where I'm having to decide whether they go into my actual rotation because there's one you know turn me on turn yeah. me out there's a, one by Dirty Old Anne which just has a full breakdown of a woman groaning nice and I'm like this. the rest of it's really really good and people would expect to hear it but it just it's not editorially justified it's inappropriate mm. pretty much uh, but there is a few like that and this it's 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 passive. It's quick, but yeah, it's a bit unnecessary and hasn't aged great. But it does drop, and as a as a kind of like a, a trance and tech track, I think it's pretty pretty good. So yeah, I like it. Me too. I don't know if it's my favourite song to sample a film though. What other ones have sampled films? Well, the one that stands out to me is Jay Z and Kanye. Paris, oh, yes, which samples one of my favourite comedy films, Blades of Glory. Is that which, one of your favourites? I love it. Yeah, oh, amazing. It's so funny. I didn't. I wouldn't know where you were going with that, whether you loved it or hated it. But I love it. I'm glad you love it. Should we play a little bit? This yeah. is this is this is the Blades of Glory sample in Paris. I don't even know what that means. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. No, it's not. It's it gets gross. the people going. It's just. It's just. Yeah. I, can I ask a question about that? Because whenever I hear that, it, that bit annoys me. Not in the song, in the film, it annoys me every time because... The My Lady Lumps bit. It's, not, on, it's on the it's, treadmill. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that whole scene's a bit weird. But it's the that exact bit that they've sampled. Sounds like the blonde dude was going to interrupt Will Ferrell as if 
they were just spitballing and they deviated from script and there's like a tiny bit in it where it's sort of improv. Yeah, and I'm like, is that, do you know what, if that's what it was or was that the way it was laid out on paper to be done? Despite being a film critic for a few years, Blades of Glory is a film I haven't dissected that thoroughly. Oh, interesting. I just sit and watch it and go, yeah, that's funny. Okay, so you've never done a full piece on the, the... the slide into one another's groins, no? No, but maybe we should someday. Yeah, we'll get. Um, we'll, we'll, Let's act it out. When, when we get to two thousand and seven in the podcast, we'll 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 we'll, we'll do a Blades of Glory <laughs> deep dive if that's what you want. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we'll, deep slide. <laughs> this this transition's going to be fun because we're going from the ness of Paffendorf to a very sad song about divorce and uh, fatherhood from Puddle of Mud. Number eight, it's called Blurry. This is the second single from the band's debut album, Come Clean. It's had 50 million views on YouTube. Mm. And I've got it down as an intro juice. I think this is a bigger intro juice than Paffendorf. Be cool. Interesting. Uh Uh-huh. Did you know this? I don't think so. Don't say you played in your show. I haven't played it on (laughs) my show. No, I know you haven't. But, oh my God, I loved and still to this day love this track. Mm. I think this is class. I've always loved it. Always, always loved it. No, they're a name I'm they're a na- they're a name I'm familiar familiar with, but I hadn't actually I couldn't recall hearing before. I expected it to be heavier. I suppose it's still quite it's still quite heavy, but yeah, I expected something else. Mm. I'm getting them mixed up with somebody else. Are you still? Who am I thinking of? Cradle mm. of Filth. Oh right, okay, different band. Yeah, yes, anyway. very different band. Yeah. Um, vocally, I think this is amazing. I think that he's mm-hmm. got a really perfect rasp to his voice. I think they layer him in, which I'm assuming is with himself as a really, really, really subtle harmony. Mm-hmm. And I think that what it does is it takes like a sour tone when they harmonise it together. And I, I love it. I think yeah. it's really good. Yeah. And I've got funny memories of misheard lyrics that I've only realised today that my lyrics were completely wrong. Go on then. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you shoved it in my face, the pain you gave to me actually sounds like when you shoved it in my face, spanking it to me. So <laughs> everybody that I know thought that it was spanking it to me um, and it wasn't actually the pain you gave to me mm. but I know every word kind of yeah the, I, I have I have words for all of the words um, and it just gave me pure joy the whole way through bloody loved it interesting I'm not sure I've done a, a song before that has the word shoved in it that's got to be a first yeah mm-hmm. I just heard it I was like it's not, very, it's not a very pop music word is it shoved no I like it neither spanking it to me but I guess for for a genre of music that involves a lot of shoving around in mosh pits and stuff it's a surprise that that's the first one I've recalled yeah Uh huh. it's so weird though because I watched the video for it which I've watched a million times and I know people say you know things change when you have a kid but I always loved this video but Jesus it hit me differently watching it today because it is a a dad engaging with their child and having to hand them back to the mother and the what looks like a waster new boyfriend and yeah it really really touched me in a completely different way and I'm like, shit, there's there's the parental love that sometimes you forget about during the fucking nappy changes and the sleepless nights. Mm. But yeah. And it isn't just any kid in the video. That's his actual kid, Jordan. Is it? That's his real son, yeah. And is the scenario real? Uh, I, I'm not, not entirely sure. Hmm. Yeah, the song is about his desire to be a good dad and hang out with his kid. 
Yeah, that's good. Because in it, he puts them, he lifts them up and he puts them on a trampoline and stuff. And the way that my life's changed is I was, there's no sides on that trampoline. That kid's mm. going quite high. Whereas mm. like, you know, years ago, I'd be like, look at the dartling on the trampoline with this kid. He'd be bouncing him really high. Whereas now I'm like, no, he'll fall off and he'll break an arm. Put sides on it. Gun down little. You can get them on special in the centre aisles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you you like it vocally? I, I do too, but I do, my, my first note was he sounds like stoned busted, like sort of quite nasal American sound, which so is kind of what, what they did. <laughs> yeah. It's also like when when it's a bit screamier, it's a bit Foo Fighters, like not just in, oh, yeah. in vocals, but in like in actual like tone. In tone, yeah. Yeah, yeah it yeah. really is. I love, that, I love that about it. The video is directed by Fred Durst, so you've got that kind of input to it as well. Yeah. But yeah, I do. And I, I remember thinking, I really like this. And then... There's one coming later that I wrote down. This is not my pace. I'm like, is the pace that different? And I had to I know, do like a funny, comparing contrast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was having a conversation recently about that that same conversation on on Sunday about noise music, uh, which I mentioned last week. And um, somebody we, we, we got talking about is rock dead? Like is rock in its current form mm. right now dead? And there was somebody saying, well, what about this band? This band? I'm like, you're not making a real case. Like the bands you've listed, I'm like, they are. They, they are very much a case for rock mm. being dead. But in this era, you have these like sort of new metal. These are these are these are more rock, but these you know, to be in line with Fred Durst, it's it's kind of like a yeah. Who were it, you, it, who you listing? Who was being listed? Do you remember any of the bands? The ones of of current. One of them was the Struts. Right. Okay. I just think are terrible. But um, you know, everyone's got different opinions. But yeah. but I, I do I do think rock is very much in a backseat at the moment. Like rock is not the the main heavy genre at the moment. I think punk. Yeah. I think punk's doing more than rock at the moment. I think it's going to come back around. Do you remember Marmosets? Yeah, oh, I Why like Marmosets. Yeah, bloody love Marmosets. You've got like Yonica as well, who were good. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. so that it's it's not entirely gone, but I think generally like rock, it's lesser. Rock, it's it's lesser. Yeah, yeah, it is lesser. Definitely sleeping. But yeah, the Fred Durst thing's interesting. He actually put the band together. Oh, so he's had a connection with them from from the very beginning. It was all kind of going really rosy, but then by 2004, Greg Scantlin, who's the front man of Puddle of Mud, would be, was publicly criticising Durst quite a fair bit and, and at one point called him pathetic. I think they've since patched up on and off since then, but yeah, thing, things kind of soured. But yeah. yeah, this is grand. A lot of the comments in the video are, are obviously about fatherhood and divorce and that kind of like, there's there's some real stories in there so I'm sure this strikes a chord with a lot of people mm-hmm. uh, when I was a kid at school I was like I think I was the only kid in my class that had divorced parents when I was at primary school in Newcastle and I moved to Washington where there was very few parents who were still together and even now it's kind of like when I've got friends who've got parents who are like still married I go oh my god that's so like <laughs> so, that's weird. so weird we find people with grandparents and like mothers strange me and my wife were like yeah. how, how do you get to the point where you're a 25 year old adult and you've got both of your parents and four grandparents what, what's gone right in your life you yeah. Know? so yeah I get that that must have been really strange for you but yeah well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a child of two divorces the first one was when I was very young and the second one was when I was like a teenager and mm-hmm. um, and he's a dick which is weird so. because you like you've got you've got the good divorce and the bad divorce yeah. isn't it like which you know pretty awful me mum me dad we've made it work we're all, we're all like we're all you know happy in that me, me stepdad's a different story but mm-hmm. you know yeah that that they, i think anybody listening explains a lot like it's yeah it's it's daddy issues that's that's the problem but anyway <laughs> uh, no th- this the song is kind of wrought in emotion i guess the blurriness could kind of relate to impaired vision through tears it's, there could be a lot of different things that blurry means yeah yeah grand like it a lot great Right, this is a technically a debut solo single, but we have heard this voice before. You've heard it on this. Can't you see? Life's easy. If you consider things from another. 
from DB Boulevard in 2001, number three, Point of View. Uh, now she's back doing a solo thing, but this is a number nine for Mooney. The song's called Dove, I'll Be Loving You. I'll open up my This is the first single from the debut album Life Stories. It's actually an official goodbye, isn't it? So yeah, we're, we're yeah, goodbye yeah. to Mooney. But yeah, a little bit less Jerry Halliwell in tone, but still the, mm. the tone. But um, clearly in this one, a much more competent vocal. But this was actually the highest charting position this track got out of all yeah, countries. Yeah. So it, it did the best in the UK, pretty much. In her native Italy, it was 18. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice and warm in summary. Yeah. I've always loved this. Did somebody send me, I think somebody sent me a screenshot last week because it's in rotation on my radio station. It's like, oh, you're playing this? You know, whenever it's like a little forgotten gem. Mm. And it just, it must have come out at the right time for the right person. But yeah, lovely piano, lovely do-do-do's and stuff in it too. Yeah, I really like it. Lyrically, I know all the words, but I have actually no idea what's going on and what it's really telling. I know that it's a love story, but there's parts of it that I just think when I've reflected and got on it today, just don't make any sense. Do you find that? Yeah, I, I do know what you mean. Yeah, I can't read, I can't recall much of it. To be honest, uh, so... It does have a DB Boulevard kind of sound carried across. It still mm-hmm. sounds kind of summery. She sounds more Maloco to me than anything else now. I'm not sure if I said that when we did DB Boulevard, but she does sound like Roisin, Roisin Murphy yeah. in places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. There's other kind of French house reference points in there too. Stardust, I could hear a bit of Stardust, a bit of Mojo. I could hear some Kylie in there as well. So there's kind of like, obviously in, in her French house era that she's in now. Yeah. All in all, I, I kind of thought it's a remarkable voice but a fairly unremarkable song for me. I, yeah. did, I, 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 like, I should have loved this. You, you've seen what I've loved so far this series. You know what, what my kind of sound is. It is kind of like the French house sort of thing, but yeah. this one just, it didn't didn't stand out to me. I, I, I didn't understand it really. I didn't connect with it anyway. I can't recall it now, which is like a really bad sign for a track that should... Oh, really? This is a should, dance revolution one that I, you've, I've played. I'm sure, I'm sure you have, not, but... Not much for that exact reason is it's really, really safe. Yeah. And it is a... Like, would you turn it off? I think I might have done it. I think I might have actually Did done it. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like that it's not one where you would even really notice that it's on, which is a good thing when you're playing songs sometimes. So it's like, it's really, it's very much what you would call in a radio station, a very safe recurrent. If it's on the radio in the barbers, I always find that if I'm in the barbers, get me hair cut and they've got like Metro on or Cent- Century, one of those kind of commercial stations, it's a lot of songs that you like, you've got no reason to turn it off. Hence why they're on all day. Yeah. From like the opening to close and just keep the same station on. Because yeah. it's just very safe tracks. And this this would fit in on a heart or something, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah, so it's that whole you've got no reason to turn it off, but you've got no reason to turn it up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's kinda how I felt. The guitar solo near the end is so I, I must have made it quite near the end if I didn't I, I think I actually I might have done actually, but the guitar solo at the end is very stand out from those other things. Like the it, it does separate it from the stardust and the mojo. It does make it sound a bit more unique. But generally other than being nice and summary, I can kind of understand why this. I don't hear this very much because I don't listen to commercial radio. Yeah, cool. Yeah, uh, video. You've got some typical convertibles. You've got some beaches. You've got some country roads. Mooney picks up some people. There's kissing in the car, which is a bit Mojo style. Mm. There's dancing on the beach. There's like little beach bar huts and stuff like that. So yeah, it's it's what you want it to be. It's just like a really nice to vibe in it. Warm. Yeah, you know, in two thousand and two, you could have watched this and then booked a holiday. Yeah, you know. Oh, I, I, I got a couple of glasses ho- of wine, a couple of beers, yeah. and yeah, you've, you've got it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, 
nice. Liked it. it was a number nine. I'm I'm happy with it. You know, really, I think it was a it was a hard week. So to get number nine is a good a good hit. Mm. It's been getting a second wind recently on YouTube because if you go in the comments of the video, there's a lot of like BTS fans in there, like the K-pop band BTS. Okay. It looks like when their song Dynamite came out, this was in the suggested videos for like everybody. Oh. Nobody can really work out why. Why? That's like, class. Is there some inspiration there? Like, was it there on purpose? Mm-hmm. Is it some kind of weird YouTube algorithm thing, which it very, you know, very easily could have been because YouTube's kind of all over the shop algorithm-wise. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a lot of BTS fans in the comments were kind of like, "I'm not sure why I'm here, but I like it." So that's cool. <laughs> so, that's good. Yeah, if this can get a second wind because of uh, because of BTS fans, and there's so many of them, mm-hmm. oh, that yes. don't be surprised if this track is like number one by next week. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Right, new week, June 16th, 2002. It's the week where it all came crashing down for England. They lost 2-1 to Brazil. You know, there's, to get beat off anybody, Brazil's not bad. No. That's all That's right, That's the one generally. you want to get beaten by. You know, yeah, and they went on to win the tournament, so, mm-hmm. you know, to lose to the eventual winners is fine. Much like they did this year. Mm. Except they lost in the final, which well, yeah. makes it all more worse. But meanwhile, because I wasn't really interested in football that much at this age, it was more when I got to secondary school that I kind of got invested out. You know, when, when it was on the TV and the and we'd, we'd all get to watch the, the game in assembly, like they'd get us in early, we'd watch the games at like Aww. seven o'clock in the morning here in the UK, which is quite nice. And that was fun, you know, having the... the uh, Union Jack shaved inside of my head like a proper little. <laughs> I can't say what I was going to say because I'm a. Anyway. Um, what would have been more interesting to me is the fact that the TV show Beyblade started on uh, on kids TV in the UK. Remember Beyblade? No idea what that is. The the um the slogan of Beyblade was "Let It Rip." All oh, right, but it okay. wasn't. But it wasn't to do with farts. Oh god! It's those like um spinning top things. They had like a you put like a thing in it. Like a, oh, and you ripped it out, so, and you put them in like a little battle dome thing, and it was like that, like clashed against each other. All oh, right, yeah. So I don't know what the point but like was, a cable really. tie, you put the cable tie. Yeah, you put the a, thing, you a pull cable it out, tie and, the and you spin rip it out with each other, and it spins and it hits the other one. I think it's a case of, like knocking the other one out of the ring, sort of thing. Oh, cool. Don't know how much skills involved. Yeah, you just needed to have violent brothers like me, and you would have had the real life version of that too. No cable ties needed. Yeah, I missed out on so no much. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, uh, in the box office, the UK number one became Spider Man. Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst, the iconic film that kind of brought superhero films to the to the mainstream. Because obviously, at like six years after that, Iron Man oh, and wow, the start right. of the whole Marvel universe. So, like, till this point, there hadn't really been a, had, there hadn't been many really good superhero films. There'd be there'd been them. Like there was there was some Batman ones. Some of them were a bit iffy. There'd right, been yeah. some Superman ones. Some of them were a bit iffy. Whereas like the the Spider Man one was like it was. You know, acclaimed by everyone. Everyone loved it, and it obviously set off a trend of superhero films wow. that we're still we're still in now, and we'll probably never ever be out of. Which is to you know some critics' detriment. Some people mm-hmm. think that the superhero thing has kind of ruined cinema, but others think it's actually quite fun. And I'm I'm kind of more in the fun camp. Oh, I am, yeah. But we'll get to more Spider-Man stuff later because the, the, the soundtrack song is in the top 10 this week. So we'll get to that very soon. But before that, we have got a brand new number one, a brand new number two, a brand new number three, a brand new number four, and a brand new number seven. So it, it, it's a week of change after week of not much change last week. It's all happening now. Uh, Will Young has been displaced by Elvis. Who would have seen that coming? You know what I mean? To go from the winner of Pop Idol to probably the world's biggest pop idol genuinely Uh, he's been remixed by junkie xl this is a new version of 1968's a little less conversation conversation, 
got to uh, people's attention because it was used in Ocean's Eleven, which came out in 2001, uh, so people were really familiar with it. Uh, I hated this. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that weird? You would expect me to kind of like this, I think. Yeah, we never really hear you say the word hate that much, nah. especially this early on, like, you know, we normally do a bit of, like, a bit of bit of discourse first about you know this thing and that thing but you've you've come out the gates and you've made a very bold statement I, I, and it, I, cl- clarify for me I do get more positive but I hated, I hated this then Oh, I still okay. don't like it now. Right, okay. But I find bits of it that I like because actually there's so many elements of it that are good and I've had to sit and think, why don't I like this? And actually it's a bit, I find Elvis a hard listen. I mm. find that my... I he's find, been mixed in a certain way. He's been, he's been like lowered in tone, hasn't he? Like, this isn't Elvis's real tone. It's been it's been fabricated. Yeah, it's it's any Elvis things I think I struggle with. I find oh, really? that like, I think that it, there's everything's an over-exaggeration and it's like a little bit of a... Finish your sentence. Get mm. get to the end of that word. So yeah, I think I've actually always struggled with Elvis without really realizing that I struggled with Elvis. But yeah, uh, <laughs> the brass. Yeah, brill. Yeah, really yeah, like the brass. Yeah. Hook. Very very hooky. Come on, come on, come on. Good. You yeah. Know, so there's there's loads of bits of it that are really really good actually. Um, very nice. You know, there's that is. It is well done, and actually, that's they're not the bits that I dislike. It is. Do you dislike the bow, 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 Yeah, that goes through the whole thing, basically yeah. the whole thing. Uh-huh. And usually, you know, obviously with dance tracks, that happens, but so much else should go on that it steals focus. You know, a really good example if you if you want to technically have a visualization of that, if you listen to Star Guitar by Chemical Brothers and watch mm. the video, you see how repeated things fizzle and disappear but yeah that is actually a bit too repetitive for me which is mm. weird because dance music I love repetition yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah but I really do like the video too and I remember the reason why I know that I hate this is because I watched the video for all of the time because I really enjoyed the video so you're very exposed to it yeah oh yeah I think a lot of people I think a lot of my a lot of my kind of like problems with it now is I've just heard it so goddamn much it was number one for four weeks in the UK wow we haven't had a number one for that long in ages like mm-hmm. that wasn't Pop Idol the last one I had was like well, was Will Young four weeks or three? he was four weeks wasn't he Maybe I think Evergreen was four weeks but we have to go far, we have to go quite a far way back to find one that wasn't Pop Idol that did as well as this did certified platinum uh, number one in 16 charts globally it's a big deal um, Junkie XL, you know, he, he's he's the first artist outside the Presley organization to receive authorization to make something like this. So clearly, there's a lot of trust put in him. It was seen by millions as part of a World Cup campaign by Nike. It was also used as the re-election campaign uh, song for George W. Bush in 2004. It was re-released in 2005. So we'll get this again in three years' time. We got number three, so we'll actually do this again soon. Maybe we'll have um, thought more of it by then or will be yeah. even more exposed to it by then because yeah. I still hear this quite a fair bit. I think it's used a lot. It's it's To me, it's most like a montage song. You know, it's used in montages and adverts yeah. and stuff, which kind of like, you know, it brain-wise puts me in this, this, this feels like a commercial thing to me because it's just so associated with capitalism and selling. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's faithful to the Elvis one. If you listen back to the Elvis one, it's like it's, in some ways, it's like a rare revamp that actually works in some ways. Like, I think it's not a complete failure. No. A lot of a lot of the good bits, 
there's there's good bits that come from Elvis and good bits that come from from Junkie XL. I can see why people really like this. Like I can I can see how it is a massive number one commercial hit. Yeah. Like I can I can see all of the bits. It's just it's like you know I can see why Jesse J is brilliant. But I've said before there's yeah. a there's a pitch that comes off her that makes me feel like I'm a dog and hate it. But yeah. This just is a great jigsaw of things put together yeah. that people will love. I just was the exception to the rule. Yeah, really. We've done we've done a fair few like minimalist productions, but this is very much a maximalist production. Yeah. This is so many layers. At one point, there's about six different, maybe even more things happening. Just so many different layers. Like you say, star guitar, you phase things out. You make it like a progressive thing that changes mm-hmm. and develops and. Like, you know, and has moments of quiet and has moments of like big triumph. Whereas this at some points is just like, bah, 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 bah. yeah, I remember giving somebody a lift home years ago and I remember she was like, oh, you're going to play dance music in the car, aren't you? <laughs> and she was in a band, like an orchestra band and liked um, orchestral music. And uh, she was like, please just don't put on that ding, ding song. And I went, what? She went, ding, ding. Stardust. Stardust. And she went and she just said, that song just does that the whole way through and I absolutely hate it and it completely triggers me. Mm. And um, ever since I've heard that the same way. It does, and I yeah. think that I still love it though. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. The J- this JXL might be my Stardust music sounds better mm. with you than to what Emma had for, you know, that. Yeah, I, I, I totally get that. Yeah, I do. I do. Mm-hmm. Today, on, on walking across the occasion, if there's some tracks I feel like I need to make more notes for, I'll, you know, put them on as, as I walk across here from, from my flat and this came on and I instinctively skipped it. Yeah. Well, it wasn't even a case of like, do I want to listen to this? No. I just literally went, like, I got my phone, bump, it was gone. Yeah. Okay. I've, I think I've, JXL's I've heard it done so a great much. bit, but yeah, yeah, I, and you know, maybe JXL sick of it, to be fair. But yeah, well, if you look at what, <laughs> if you look at what he's doing now, it's film soundtracks. Um, he's known for like Mad Max Fury Road, Deadpool oh. 2, oh. Batman, Superman. And again, it's like, the, it's still these massive productions that like, they're still so rich in sound. Like yeah. he does a very different sound to your classical composers. You know, he's not like, a, um, he, he's not like a Hans Zimmer. He's not like one of those. He's, he puts a lot of like, I mean, like Fury Road. It's a lot of like electric guitars and a lot of like <laughs> grunge. Mm-hmm. Very standout. He also did the Holly Valance film, Dead or Alive. Oh. In the early days of his film making uh, music career, now he's getting much better gigs than yeah, that. Great. But anyway, yeah. To 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 reference the thing that came out recently that we can talk about briefly now. There's a documentary that came out a few weeks ago called The Sparks Brothers about the band Sparks. Do you know anything about Sparks at no. all? Well, no. That's the whole point of the documentary is the fact that they've been, they're a band that's been going since like 1971, still going to this day. They've just had to change their sound and they've had to go and do different things, different labels, different everything. And they've never really had the the due that they deserved. But this documentary that's come out has kind of brought a new audience to their music. And it's kind of like, it's what they needed to finally have that moment of fame. And for Elvis, I mean, Elvis is massively famous, but I guess these kind of things are important because they bring a new audience to this kind of discography. Like last week, Eminem was, you know, there's a lyric in there about like, oh, like your parents to listen to Elvis, you're a fucking loser. Whereas now like this comes out a week later and you go, no, actually, like it's worth, if you're a young person, if you like music, it's worth going through Elvis's stuff. Yeah. And this probably is a nice transition. For, For long standing Elvis fans, it's probably the worst thing in the world. And actually, there's, there's a compilation CD, which is like Elvis's 50 singles that got number one across the UK and America. And this is like track 51. It was included in like a, a, a later edition and everyone kind of goes, oh, that bloody, that bloody Elvis yeah, JXL yeah, yeah. thing. So it's not for everyone, but I think it's it's an important moment for like sampling and remix and the fact that Elvis's family allowed them to do this, which has never been done before. We've already in that position of Sugar Babes being like a sample thing, other mashups being a thing. This is important. 
even if sonically it's just like way too much. Yeah. Okay, cool. One final quote before we move on to the tracks that should have been number one this week, let's face it. Um, Emma Garland in Vice, she said, this song sounds like Sean Ryder was possessed by Johnny Bravo and someone tried to perform an exorcism with bongos. I don't like it, is what she said. But there you go. Uh, she She's put it into, into words we could never imagine of doing, but uh, don't we love journalists for that very reason. Tracks that should have been number one. I'm saying it now. Elvis, Junkie XL, yeah, fair enough. El- Elvis has had enough number ones at this point. Let, <laughs> Ki- let Kylie have just one more. Like, again, she's had a lot too, but this is so good. Number two for Kylie, third single from Fever, it's Love at First Sight. So this was the follow-up to In My Eyes, which is also off the favourite album, and that was a follow-up to Can't Get You Out of My Head. I've got this down as an introduce as well. Of course. We've got some introduces on the go. Um, I always loved their tone through this. Yep. Really like the story, and just a huge hooky chorus. Mm. Mm. Nominated for Best Dance Recording at the Grammys. It lost out at Dirty Vegas. Days go by. Oh, if you're going to lose to anything, at least yeah. it's Dirty Vegas, which we'll get to at some point, I think. Possibly. I think so. Hope so. I don't know. Hope so. Um, she was nominated in the same category again in 2004 for Coming to My World, which won. Sure. Then again in 2005 for Slow. Then again for 2006 for I Believe in You. So in a real, like, great period of dance recordings for Kylie. Yeah. This one's very special. I think if you if you listen out for influences to other bits of French house new disco music, you've got, like, Stardust in there. You've got Daft Punk Digital Love. And actually the bongos that you hear towards the end of the song, to me that's Joe Smooth, Promised Land. I love that. Which is like that's a real so good. Like, like French disco, uh, Chicago disco, Chicago house kind of like It's like uh, the biggest toys album of all time to so yeah. many people. Yeah. yeah. But equally, Can't Stop the Pop, who did a, a piece on this, they said it's, it, this isn't a, a, a veiled attempt to emulate a song or lift specific elements and pretend that Kylie did it first. Fundamentally, Love at First Sight is a Kylie Minogue song before it's anything else. And that's very true to me. It is... This this is this is something else. We've heard a lot of French house, a lot of new disco, but this stands well apart from other stuff. I love the BPM of this yeah. more than "Can't Get Out of My Head" because that's the one thing from "Can't Get Out of My Head." It, the BPM. Yeah, of you've struggled Can't with the pace, haven't head. you? Yeah, yeah. It, it's the perfect pace for that song. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. everything that went with it, uh, but this is more my pace naturally anyway. Yeah, there'll be um, there'll be people who know you who listen to podcasts and go, Scott's had a slow song for like nearly a year now. Yeah. Uh-huh, that's that can't be that can't be right. Yeah. yeah. Um, this makes me feel a bit more positive. I, I, I even had to ask you, what month are we in again for this? Because I said to you, this is the one that made me think tennis. Mm. I don't know why. When I listened to this, I Wimbledon. think tennis. I must have been Wimbledon. Yeah. Must, must have been on at this point. And, you know, the restriction and the, the, the small number of TV channels at this point because I probably would have still been on ITV Digital so still not loads of channels but actual music channels Mm. I'll have been flicking and I'll not have anything to watch across the day off school other than these whatever's on BBC One pretty Mm. much and I'll if this is June in Northern Ireland school doesn't finish till the 30th of June Mm. but if you're doing well of dummy A levels on an English timetable so I'll have had an extra month off school because Mm. I'll have finished when the exams are over Um, so I'll have been at home even longer 
mm. for the summer than than what it would have been. Yes, this to me, like both in the song and the video, the words I picked out are spontaneous, carefree, hedonistic. To me, this is just like the complete, like sort of like throw the world out. We're just doing this for a bit. Like this, this, this puts me somewhere else. It really takes me back to being six year old. Like actually, it, <laughs> it, 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 I can really place myself being places, hearing this, seeing this. Whereas I couldn't really was can't get out of my head because I only I only recall seeing the video once as a child and being so freaked out about and never watch it again just because it's, it's so intense it's just it so quite, like yeah when you're a kid um I, I wonder if the reason why I still know it from being six is because the the lyrics of be as one sounds to me in my kind of like media obsessed brain is ps1 I was also just about playstations that could have been good yeah I mm. love that I love the fact you've got a little connection there yeah right? yeah but there's visual visual cues carried across from the other single so this video is is another special one it's a one take video from uh, Jonas Renk there's some more like things from other videos that come across here things from in my eyes things from can't get out of my head there's some interesting fashion decisions she's got the whistle which looks like a lanyard in some in, in some kind of like tight yeah. shots she's like on a lunch break from the uh, the annual conference, going for a bit of a sesh. <laughs> got like an orange arm bracelet thing. Yeah, I remember it being all really, at this age, really subtle neon. And I remember that's when it was yeah. about her eyeshadow. The eyeshadow. Was it's a very, very strong blue eye makeup. Really, really strong, uh-huh. thick line of it. it isn't, there's no powder on it's just bump so she was in a white right so my memory she was in a white vest she was in cargo pants yeah she had a one earring with a k dangling down yeah she had a really neony blue eye shadow on ever so slightly wet hair slightly yes like parted across like not in the middle like just kind of like down the side here like it's like a, a strong parting line yes um then the orange band up at the top of her arm yeah. which was like it was only only certain people could carry that off either really hard birds could pull it off <laughs> um or kylie could pull it off yeah um, and so, she does and she really does pull it off yeah but the green screen in this i remember being like this is class it's a definitely a one take though because it zooms down to her feet and it goes off and it comes back a couple of times yeah there's... is it just because it's like one scene that they're referring to as that or is it a... i don't know I don't know. We need we need to chat to Kylie to to find out. So you know, get in touch yeah. and let us know. But um, yeah, I, I know there is bits when it dips away from it, and there's bits where it moves around and stuff. So, but I'm 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 happy to believe that it could be, or or even if it's not, it's still like it is one scene and it it flows nicely. So yeah, because there's a green screen there, it could have been pieced together from other other takes. But ultimately, I don't don't really give a shit. It's just amazing. It's it's yeah, really I think good. She's really good at it. You're talking quite passionately about this. Is oh, this, I am very is passionate. This causing an issue um because i hesitated there probably not okay but it's i i love it and i think it's it's uh, you know i, I it, it's it's not it's not, oh, I'm, not I'm not gonna say I'll, I'll leave all this conjecture till the end when we get okay. to that point but i've actually written down for the video before i'd watched the video going i remember there being an arm and shoulder movement that comes and she does yeah, some like, like a, really subtle like jerking kind of like back and forth yeah. thing yeah. and like you can, it's it's such a weird Obviously, she's done the la 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 and all of that kind of mm. crack, and then she does that lean back and in my eyes. But at this point, she just like whips her shoulder around, showing off her joints as if she's used Volterol on every <laughs> joint for like twenty years. Um, but I just remember like something so simple and was really effective. But you also, I felt the whole way through that video. Now that I've watched it back, that actually she freeballed that. You know what I mean? And she, mm. she, she's. They've been like, right, you've got three minutes on the camera. Keep keep your face in the camera. Maybe disappear off at this point, but come back. And she's just nailed it and yeah it was like kind of choreographed but she has just like just 
gone free with it and really owned it. Do you know well, anything yeah, it, different than that? No, no, I don't. It, it like I say, it does feel carefree. It does feel like that very well yeah. could have been the case. It does feel spontaneous. The 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 filter effect after the first chorus when it just. Mm. She comes in with her vocals and it kind of comes in again. That's it's a thing we've heard before, but it's like, oh, mm-hmm. it's just it's just like it's just chilling. There's yeah. a, there's, a, there's, a, there's another chilling moment later in the episode of another song. It's kind of like whoa when it does the same sort of thing, but in a very different genre. But here in the like electronic sound, to hear that kind of like live mixing within you know produced music, I like that so much. When you when you when you feel like it isn't being pieced together in a multi-track, it's being played live. Yeah. This feels very much played live. NME called it a Knickers Aloft Disco Stormer, oh, right. <laughs> which okay. is one way of putting it. Yeah, I think this is, this this is really special. And and you look at this. I mentioned this before, but this era of Kylie of can't get it out of my head in your eyes. This and still coming uh-huh. to my world to come, and the rest oh. of Fever, which is amazing too. Yeah, like this 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 entire section of Kylie's career has been played so, so brilliantly, so, so, so brilliantly. And considering what like you know before this series started, she was. You know, not not in a great place. Nope. Commercially, she wasn't a pop star. She wasn't a pop star. She was a flop star. She was a point. yeah, yeah. And then she had the, um, spinning around and that whole you know era. Now she's got this. <sighs> yeah. This is this is actually. I've, is this one of the best pop music plays that we're ever going to see? Like Possibly. the comeback. Well, someone said to me on Sunday. The they said they said, no. they said like which artist like which song do you think like defines the era so far for you? I'm like it's Kylie. Mm-hmm. It's Kylie. Yeah, so easily. Mm-hmm. So easily, she's she everything she's done so far was yeah yeah one or two tracks that I wasn't mad about that we've done but she she, she this entire era has just been phenomenal and I, yeah. and I can't wait to see what else comes because there is still other things that are very good maybe not quite as good as these like in the later years to come but still she she serves yeah. so so much. I was Googling Love at First Sight and I came across an article that was saying, you know, like, what is Love at First Sight? And, and, and you as a married person, I thought we could, there's five bullet points here and I want to see if this lines up with your experience of when you met your lovely wife, Victoria. Okay, yeah. Okay, five things. Number one, you're giving them the eyes. Was oh, there like an eyes thing with you? And- I was hoping you were going to say alcohol and lots. No. Um, I don't remember, I can't remember that bit of it. Anymore? Is that because of the alcohol? Um, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Your eyes kind of darting back and forth. Probably, I think. Just I think, I think, I think, I think one was looking forward and the other was looking for the other one. <laughs> <laughs> Bar crawls in Ibiza, man, that mm. is not good. Yeah. Right, number two. See, now I know that alcohol is involved. These all take a different meaning. Yeah. Uh, number two, you feel a, a euphoric sense of relaxation and warmth. Yes. Did you piss yourself? By the, the warmth part. Um, I no, I just met her and told her my life story. And just talked at her for three and she, hours. And yeah, then she, she still, was, still went for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, which was a bit odd. Yeah, I don't know how we <laughs> end up there, but I think she probably just felt sorry for me. To be fair, <laughs> mm. and she still does. Uh, number three, you feel like you can be your most authentic self. Uh, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's true. I, I've seen the two of you together. I know that's the case. Hmm. Number four, you feel the flutter of excitement or butterflies. Was there an initial like? There was a. Uh, yeah, the first time. So 
because we met in Ibiza and she was from England, the first time I had to go and collect her at seven o'clock in the morning in an airport when I couldn't remember what she looked like and camera phones <laughs> didn't really exist that way. There was a very small chance that if she'd have come out and I did not look the way I expected her to look, I'd have driven off and left an English girl standing at Belfast International. Um, but yeah, the, ner- the nerves of, I, I remember just like, please be fit, please be fit, please be fit, please be fit. And then she walked out and I was like, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, and number five, you feel in sync. Yes. Uh huh. Mm. Yeah. Weird. Mm. Yeah, it is weird, actually. So there you go. Just kind of turned into each other. It's actually quite scary. Yeah. Yeah. But just as Kylie said, there you go. You- yeah. Mm-hmm. I would love. I'm going to ask her the eye contact question uh, because yeah. she she spotted me. We were in the same apartment block, apparently, as well. Um, mm. And she'd spotted me before I'd spotted her. Really, at one point, I do remember. We had like a, we didn't have a balcony. We just had like, is it like a Juliet balcony where you slide the door open and the, the yeah, metal's yeah, just there. Yeah. And the swimming pool was like under the foundations of another bloody building or something. But we could look out our window and see. And I can remember saying to the lads, is she out there? Is she out there? And like, she's not looking. She's not looking. And then I went to the door. She looked and you've just seen these curtains fly up in the air where I like pure flicked it. Um, and she knew fine right that I was like perving on her. But uh yeah, so they'd been looking for ages. I, sh- I think that's her, I think that's her, I think that's her. I'm not going to look, I'm not looking, I'm not looking. <laughs> um, and then I come over to have a look and then she looked directly at the bloody, the window. Aye, there was curtains alawa. It's like Dunelm. Amazing. <laughs> We're not sponsored by Dunelm, but if they fancy it. I've got a new, I've got a new flat to furnish, yeah, so do, get in touch. Uh, right, so Sophie Ellis-Bexter famously turned down Can't Get On My Head and here she is again being bested by Kylie to number three for the double single of Move This Mountain but first Get Over You This is off the album Read My Lips. Um, you've got hooks galore in this one. I didn't think I knew it. And then mm. as soon as it started, it all aye, came flooding back. Aye. Yeah, aye, aye. yeah, really, really good. So yeah, really, really hook. You've got her signature tone, which just seems to work. Disco vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we've got some good stuff. It's not it's not the one you remember. It's a bit no. like, so this is the theme as Love at First Sight. I've asked lots of people, name a Kylie track and it never comes back quickly even That's though it's so one of the best yeah yeah. so I think this is way down the list did she even do the on Kitchen Belters uh, she must have done she must have done. she must have I mean it's for number three yeah that's certainly like you wouldn't have any reason to kind of like disown it would you like, no because it's, like, it's good it is good yeah it's a danciest song yet it's got like kind of camp classic vibes for me but like yeah there's definitely like dance music in here that I haven't heard from her before I hear bits of Ultranate Free Yep. There's some guitars in there that sound like that. It has an amazing, like, freak-out synth solo near the end. Mm-hmm. And there's some lovely big bass licks, isn't there? When we were in here before and you were listening to it, you picked out the, the kind of the guitars as a thing to, yeah, to mention. There's a guitar bit towards the end that turns practically into the really subtle fade-out of Roger Sanchez as Another Chance. There's, mm. It's got that in common. And that's whenever you kind of forget, oh, maybe this is actually quite a dancey track. Because with Kylie as well, you don't think dance track. With Sophie Ellis-Bexter, you don't... You, you, more likely think of Sophie Alice Bexter in a dance track circumstance because of um, Groovejet. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm actually really glad that I rediscovered this one because 
as soon as I pressed play and I was like, oh my God, do you remember this music video? Mm. And you weren't even looking at my laptop and you went, oh, do you think this is uh, on purpose? Yeah. Um, explain what you, what you, what the video, what the video does. So at the start of the video, she is in the window of a wedding shop. Like she's in there as a, as a, a porcelain mannequin. Mannequin. Yeah. yeah. With her, with her husband, and the whole point in the video is that she she busts out of the the porcelain out the window, and she becomes like a real person. Her yeah. entire wardrobe changes. She becomes very kind of like, you know, kind of like cocky in the way she acts and stuff. But yeah, the fact that at the start of the video she's she's made up in porcelain. We mentioned before that she has this complexion. She has this kind of like flawless skin and this kind of like very unique face. She looked amazing. Yeah, as an the way that they pulled it off. Yeah, it looked amazing, and I'm assuming that it's been like high deft in this. Era. Yeah, yeah. She still really looked mustard. the way that they've pulled it off and mm-hmm. the way that they've made like the makeup's quite consistent. Like spe- so if you think back now, Sophie Ellis Baxter was uh, the pale person yeah. here. There was nobody was pale. And then thanks to Nicola Roberts fighting back whenever they did the Passions of Girls Live and like stop spraying me orange. My skin colour's very, very pale. Yeah. Um but Sophie Ellis Baxter here really played on it and it you know, it was actually way more political to mm. be pale mm-hmm. publicly yeah, yeah, at this yeah. point as if it was a thing. No, it's just a it's just a total made up thing that somebody decided one day was more attractive. Oh, if you have a tan, you're more attractive. Like I, I, I'm I'm pretty pale, and, and people always call me out for being pale. I'm like, just like, so what? It's how I'm born. I don't know what you're on about, ghosty. Jesus Christ, I'm oh, not sure. that kind of thing. Like, look at my legs. <laughs> Stay at Whoa, my legs. where's my sunnies? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it, it it felt like a nice bit of like sort of self referential humor there from Sophie that she's 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 made a nod to the fact that everyone's been saying these things about her. But you know, she takes it in a stride and she makes a joke of it, and it's 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 great. She has this perfect enunciation that we've mentioned loads before. Like, you know, every word is pronounced perfectly in her very, like, you know, middle-class, posh English voice. Mm-hmm. And I've written here, it's so uniquely British. Like the, like the, you drive me crazy up the wall. It's like a line that only British people would put in a pop song. Like, Americans wouldn't. I know, I know like, Britney put in you drive me crazy as a song. But, like, the way it is here, it's, it's just so, like, the whole song being about somebody complaining... It's mm-hmm. like, you drive me crazy up, up the wall. wall. It's very upstairs, downstairs. Yeah. But I, I, I say uniquely British, but actually what, what, I, what I want to mention here is the fact that like this week we've had the former football player and now pundit presenter mm-hmm. Alex Scott, who was doing some Olympics coverage and she got pulled apart by this, you know, crusty white man on Twitter. He's like, oh, she can't pronounce her words properly. She doesn't finish words with Gs. She doesn't finish words. It's like, well, that's... So the, the Sophie Ellis Bexter pronunciation is uniquely classically british whereas now like we have like people like this guy on twitter this you know this whatever he was i don't i don't know who he was but he's some kind of sir digby jones whatever like we have to accept that like british encompasses more than just this kind of perfectly enunciated sophia lespector type voice you know what i mean like the, yeah. there's been a lot of conversation about the alex jones uh, alex, alex scott thing and it's just like we, people need to just to, to to understand that the world is and this country is not the way it is in your little bubble. What a twat for him to think <laughs> that his actual current language is correct. Yeah. Because if I was to go, because weirdly enough, I was thinking about this in the drive-in. I have nothing about this in my notes. But I was sitting thinking, I'm going to reply to this guy in dearith, sirith, rigbyeth, you know, that yeah. kind of shit. It's like, so that's the way people used to speak. Why would you think that that era that evolved into the way that you speak is the correct way? And why is it not allowed to evolve because of... Society, diversity, communication, access, transport. Well, you know, I think you know why. why. I yeah, think well, I do you know, know why, why because he's a fucking rich twat. 
You know what I mean? Mm. Honestly, and has no actual experience outside of his own personal social circles. And if he did, it was probably for financial gain. Mm. Don't know who the hell this guy is, but you know, whatever. But this isn't the drag Sophie. It's just to say that, like, when I hear her voice and I note that it's classically British, I think it's like... It's it's one it's one side of Britain. It doesn't encompass the whole thing, but it's it's very stereotypically classically British. There's yes. rooms for Sophie. There's room for Ant and Deck. We're on the ball. There's room for everybody. Yeah, Atomic Kitten, Three Liver Podley, and Smash Net. You know, absolutely. Right. So that was the A side of the single. It was two singles in one. This B side shares a single name with The Shaman, but it's not The Shaman. It's Sophie Las Baxter. It's called Move This Mountain. I think I'd rather review the shame and move any mountain. We can do it if you want. Whenever I listen to it, I think we've got massive attack production vibes. Actually, yeah. sounds dark and a bit eerie. Yeah. I do not remember this at all. No, me and neither. Weirdly, I actually said to you, Liam, because you were in the room, it's like, Liam, I'm playing this and I'm forgetting it as I'm playing it. <laughs> Isn't that odd? How can it be on? And I'm like, yeah. I've already forgotten what's just happened. It's a big contrast to get over you sonically which is like sort of beat this one's more of a kind of a trip hop slower electronica kind of vibe i've kind of got like gorillas their sort of early pace like dido here as well in some ways that same mm. sort of sound that she's had yeah it's different anything we've heard from her before but it, it again it shows what a repertoire she has and what other things she can do certainly it's not bad it's co-written by alex james from blur and you can do your thing you said to me before. Does that explain why? Is that why it's so cheesy? Very good. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Yeah, I think she, th- this is this is fine. I think it's, it shows that she's got a lot of good songs in this era, even if this one is one of the less interesting ones. The video, very hypnotic, directed by her regular contributor, Sophie Muller. Yeah, it's 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 different. It's a B-side. Ultimately, th- there's not much need to, to pour through it too much. No. But yeah, the fact that you've kind of forgotten it and we're forgetting it in progress of hearing it is a bit of a concern. Yeah. But not to take too much away from her because she's still a queen. Right, Spider-Man is flying through the streets of New York and of course the cinemas of the world at number one in the box office. And the single from the soundtrack that was used to promote it from the the album of songs inspired by Spider-Man type crack was from Chad Kroger of Nickelback and Josie Scott of the band Saliva uh, for a song that got number four and one of the biggest songs of the year actually by by the end of the year, by the time it had sold lots of copies it's called Hero So this is officially his debut solo release, yeah, really, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I'm trying to figure out why I've written down not my speed, but I like the sound of it. Whenever mm. I'm pure turned on by puddle of mud, blurry. <laughs> yeah. Are they? Yeah. Are they different BPMs? Is there a different drum arrangement? Where like they do feel like everything's so blurry, everything. Yeah, maybe Chad. Maybe it's the key. Maybe there's a mm. weird key. Whenever I'm listening to rock, I don't like high key rock. Maybe I like a lower, darker rock. I'm not too sure, but I think very sing alongable. 
Really nice track. Great tone. Yeah. Great harmonies. I think the two of them together work really well. I'm just missing the connection that I get for Puddle of Mud. And I don't even think it's story related either. Mm. When I talk to folks about the podcast, a fair few people say, are you doing Chad Kroger Hero? And I'm like, oh, oh really? And I think there's a real, this This to me feels like essential nostalgia for some people because of the, the reverence people have for Nickelback in this particular point before things start yes. to go downhill. And of course, Spider-Man, the fact that it's so closely linked to the Spider-Man film, which mm-hmm. everyone like loves and, 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 and was important for the what, cinema and its current state. I think people really like this one. People love Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst as, as like the, the Spider-Man and the Mary Jane couple. I do like it for that reason as well. I like I I, I like a lot about this. And it's it, it again, it's nice to enjoy Nickelback before things change. Yeah. I'm, I'm just pleased to be in this point again. There were there were complaints at this point that Nickelback was starting to sound a bit formulaic and predictable. I think this sounds grand for what it is, for what it is of a like a, a, a track to complement this massive blockbuster film. Epic in sound, cinematic in sound, emotional and melancholic in places like you expect a blockbuster film like this to be. For such gruff voices, there actually is some really delicate, beautiful moments in there. Like I mentioned in um, Kylie, there's a bit where it all drops out. There's there's actually a few bits in here where it drops for effect. Like on the hero line, like it drops, bump, back, back it comes. And there's a lovely bit where it's going into the bridge where they both take like a softer tone from being quite gruff for the whole song so far. Yeah. They suddenly start kind of like singing nicely before going back to being gruff. Mm-hmm. But there's a beautiful moment where it all kind of stops and it's just, it's just, it's really nice. Now that the world is an ending, it's love that I'm sending to you. It isn't the love of a hero and that's why I fear it won't these two guys they complement each other very well I think I agree I do think that I do agree with it I think that there's something really special about the fact that actually it's connected with so many people yeah really you know yeah. what I mean but I think you know if people are hard on this track you know the the directors or whoever's given them the brief of what they need mm. they've they've done they've the brief through, plus yeah. more yeah you know so this isn't it's not a cop out they haven't changed their sound they haven't sold out they've been given a brief and they've done what they've done if they were making uh, their own album track as an independent artist trying to be the real them and this is what whipped out that'll be wrong because mm. it's probably not the track for them but I think as a as a soundtrack it set the tone very high for soundtracks to superhero films having Big to time, be yeah. bloody top notch, really. Yeah. What other what other superhero soundtracks do we get in future? Do you know any off the top of your head? Well, the first one that springs to mind is the one we had for Black Panther a few years ago, because again, there was another album of songs inspired by the by the film mm-hmm. that Kendrick Lamar made. Like the fact that in two thousand and two, Nickelback are doing them, and then now we're getting like Kendrick Lamar, the, one of the biggest names in rap doing a full album of tracks based on this film mm-hmm. the the title track for that that was actually in black panther was all the stars with scissor is like is so spectacular but I think it shows the progression of how they've changed like in 2002 you had this which was very much kind of like very obviously about a superhero film like you know it's a hero gonna save the day those lyrics are in there and they're very kind of like you know on the nose in some ways 
Whereas you get to like 2017 when Kendrick's doing All the Stars and that album of stuff which is like thematically tied in with the African roots of Black Panther. But actually, there's not a lot of lyrics that really suggest it's a superhero thing. It's kind of more about the culture of the mm-hmm. of the thing, and you get a lot more like that too. Like I think there's there's been many more across the years that have done that, and I think this probably again, like we've done, we've said so much recently. This kind of paved the way. This started off a new thing. Yeah, that people have have taken and ran with. Like now they're probably better than this and kind of more artistic than this was. But what this is is a is a a, a very good track mm-hmm. that when you watch it with the Spider-Man you know the video of them on so the video is kind of like half fits them on the roof performing the song and the rest is kind of like clips from the film Spider-Man mm-hmm. if you're a, if you're a person who's like me and grew up in this time and saw Spider-Man and is nostalgic for this period you can't help but kind of watch it and see those moments of like the the chorus line of hero and like seeing Spider-Man swinging from building to building carrying Mary Jane you can't be like holy shit I'm getting goosebumps thinking about like look at my arms again. You make me want to watch done it. it again. I don't have time for this, but you make no. me want to watch it. It's only a couple hours. I can't I, even remember if I've seen it. One thing I recalled from looking at the notes was that it's like compared to superhero films now, it is actually short at two hours. Like Spider Man one is <sighs> two hours long, whereas now they're like pushing three hours. So nah. Yeah, no take thanks. it while you can. Mm-hmm. Um no, this this is grand. And 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 you mentioned before we we, we came on and did this that you, you kind of associate with 9-11, I guess because the video yes. is so New Yorky yeah. and it's Spider-Man being New Yorky and, and being like a hero saving the day. And I wonder for people who are in New York, and actually I've got a comment here that, that will clarify my wonder, but to be a, a film about heroes coming out less than a year after 9-11 in, set in New York, I wonder how people in New York kind of felt seeing this and hearing yeah. this because like we had Enrique Iglesias' hero that yep. was very much tight 9-11 and this this probably was too the fact that the video and everything like I said to you before the, the, the trailer for the original Spider-Man obviously had the twin towers in then they, they fell and in the film they've been you could take out. all of the Spider-Man stuff out of this and replace it with all of the cutaway shots yeah, of the fire really brigades and Enrique's mm-hmm. and just sit and cry your eyes out repeatedly yeah. for a prolonged period of time you know what I mean so that that's how good it is. That's like an alternative, you know, post nine eleven creepy test, isn't it? It's like the yeah. alternative of that. Could you can you merge these together to make something pretty special? Mm. But yeah, yeah. God, my dear, I just there's a there's a comment here from someone on YouTube called Anthony Santoro from he says he's from New York City. After volunteering at Ground Zero on nine eleven, this song really hit me. I just turned eighteen, and that was the year I decided to dedicate myself to never being poor again. It all went by so fast. Mm. So there you go. Yeah, I think this this will have struck a chord for a lot of people for that reason, but equally for purely for the film reason, it's just like, and purely for the song reason, I think it's a, it's, it's a complete package of greatness. It really is. Mm-hmm. And finally, this is another kind of like techno hard track. We've had Paffendorf, and then a week later we have this, which ends at the same position, number seven, but then climbs to number five, and then is number two for three out of four Yo! weeks. So this this this. Transcends the usual kind of like bottom half position for a dance track. This was enormous. It sold platinum in the UK at over 600,000 mm-hmm. copies for Scooter, their cover of Supertramp and the Logical Song.
is from their album Breakfast in America. Uh, well, no, sorry, that's it's from Super Trump's. It's from Super Trump's <laughs> album Breakfast in America from 1979. Yeah, but it's actually off Scooter's second singles compilation album thing, which was called Push the Beat for This Jam, because of the way that Scooter kind of released their tracks. It was the follow-up to Posse and Egypt on the Floor, which is also <laughs> a jam, but it yeah. was not on our actual podcast. Listen to this. Fingers, mm-hmm. really good. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. for for the logical song in capital letters, I have put "fucking love this." Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So this is it, it's it's a a seventies track that's been transformed. When I was young, it seemed that life was so wonderful, a miracle. Oh, it was beautiful, magical. It was. Uh, from Supertramp it was written by Roger Hodgson who said it's about his experience of being sent away to boarding school for 10 years oh wow and uh, of all the the questions it raised in him like what the hell happened to me what is life about he, he, he left feeling very confused by the whole thing uh, being told how to conform to society be presentable be acceptable to be everything uh, that they didn't tell me who I am or why I'm here. Like it's all those kind of questions he had to fill in the gaps for, yeah. having been so disenfranchised by what is a very weird experience of you know being sent away from your home, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Does that translate across to Scooter? Eh, probably not. No, no. It takes a new meaning, it takes a new <laughs> thing, but it's it's an interesting choice for a hook and a, and a melody, isn't it? It's a, it's an interesting choice of a... It's very hooky sample because there's there's a weirdness about it in its original 1979 form yeah and there's like a uh, you know there's, yeah. there's bends in it yeah and I think Scooter's taken everything that was great about that song and just made it very 2002 very you know? 2002 <laughs> really very 2002 um, like very Clubland 2002 and was this probably now that I realise that this was a number two I now see how this opened floodgates for other things to come through and this is why the Clubland movement came. People are really snobby about it. I was going to mention the snobbery, yeah. There's a massive issue with Clubland and people being snobby about it but this, yeah, paved the way because what you're going to get, from this you're going to get pretty green eyes. You never have to be It's gonna, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say Pretty Grenades is probably a number one. I think it's it might a good be, chance yeah. it's number one. Yeah, yeah. But without this then, breaking the way at number two. And Sco- Scooter haven't been around for a prolonged period of time because Scooter's, Scooter's from the 90s. The first disco I went to as a teenage, well, I will have been about 11, I remember raving to Scooter back in the UK. So mm. that must have been 1995. That um, came at 96. Back in the UK did, yeah. 96. So yeah, I it's, it's their best performing track before this one came along. It was it was massive. Yeah. Um, but it was very 1996. Mm-hmm. Well, it would have been... So the UK was 1996 because even in that Back in the UK track, they reference 1994 within the track. Mm. Um, we've been going since 1994. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's class. I, I, just, I, I love this because I think that they're really good at covering stuff. They're also really good at covering stuff badly yeah. because there's a couple of shocking ones. But it really just gets the people that love Scooter vibed. Yeah, yeah. I always associate this and comfortably numb Scissor Sisters. Yeah, 
close together as tracks as tracks that have been totally transformed into new eras, into new genres that you just wouldn't have expected to see coming. Like, for, like for me, uh, the logical song is Scooter. For me, Come to Be Numb is Scissor Sisters, which I hate yeah. saying in my like. A th- but um, yeah, it's like the, the, these these are really important tracks because they do just totally transform it and make it something brand new and unique, and they have to be heralded for that alone but also this is just pumping i i need you to start your breakfast show in your station with the good morning from this i used to do that on uh, my actual breakfast show in 2010 yeah, yeah. good morning he put siberia on the map yeah, you know, yeah, done yeah all sorts yeah, of yeah. stuff love peace and unity siberia <laughs> the place to be um so he's just he's just a king of stupid shout outs yeah. Pretty much, and he's so good Respect at it. Respect for the man in the ice cream van. Love that. Well, weird, I sang that to Felix on Sunday because we were in a park and we got him an ice cream. It turned out Frankie Francis from Amazing Radio and Frank in the Heartstrings <laughs> was two people behind me listening to me <laughs> shout Scooter and shout. Um, but, so, technically then, if we if we do it musically, so he's kind of kept the, the, the key and stuff of the logical song there. He's just tranced up a bit. The trance vibes in it on the synth are amazing the way that they've done it and it was just mastered really really well for 2002 like this sounded good on hi-fis it sounded good in cars it sounded good in bars and clubs like it was it was really well done for the time Mm. when i was looking on wikipedia there was a note about it being an anthem of glasgow's ned culture and ned culture is kind of what we would call chav culture but Mm -hmm. they've made a a specific point of calling it, you know, from, from Glasgow here. Yep. Um, it was used by Celtic as a chant for their player, Scott Sinclair, which then got adopted everywhere. Like Newcastle had one for a player called Christian Atsu. We did a version of it as well. And like, like Gated had one as well. It's just, a, it's, a, it's a, it's a track and a pace that lends itself well to football chants. Yeah. But yes, the, 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 the Ned culture thing, the, 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 the Chav culture thing is interesting. Cause I think that that is very much the case for more than just, Glasgow and Scotland, I'm sure across the UK and other parts of Europe, it was the same where this track was an anthem of a generation of people who, you know, and, and, and this being a number two in the charts is a big, is, is also a big thing. Like this, this track is so unlike, it's, it, you know, it, it, it's got roots in Paffendorf as well, but like generally it's different than anything else that we've heard so far. And it, it, it stands out from other stuff. Like when I was living in Newcastle, when I was living like in primary school in like, you know, just on the outskirts of a big city, a lot of my friends' music's tastes were kind of more pop music or like, you know, alternative indie music or, you know, safer dance music. But when I got to school in Washington, which is kind of more of like a town, like more of a, like a, yeah, like a, like a, like it's a, it's a new town. It's kind of on the outskirts of like Sunland. This was more the kind of music. It was more. It was more rave. Like a lot yeah. of my like friends, we all have blue like you know, Bluetooth on our phones. We share stuff, <laughs> and it was stuff like this that was like you know high intensity techno or like you know rave music, like proper like new monkey stuff. Yeah, like this. This is this is a this is a different era of stuff. It's a different anthem for different people. Like you know the people who are like you know poolside gods who love Kylie and that kind of like French sound. But this is an entirely different tribe, isn't it? This is a tribe that's probably been underrepresented so far. Absolutely. But will now go on from here to be way more represented in terms of the commercial scene. Like, the importance of getting played on Radio 1, like, on the chart show, you know what I mean? Like, the fact that this mm-hmm. is number two, getting played alongside uh, Will Young and Elvis and stuff, it's kind of like, that's amazing. Yeah, so your Clubland is probably the most discriminated against genre of music because people would not play it, and they still to this day won't play it. And still in the northeast, Patrick Patrick Toppin has asked on Radio 1, when he's been asked to do his guest mixes, can I do Makina, which is a hardcore style of music from the northeast, and they won't let him. They won't mm. let him share his culture. And this is the thing. This was so big for so many people. And then 
because it because it because it got a rise out of everybody, and then you know. Mr. Stockup over there could see Mr. Raji over there and Chav enjoying it. I'm like, oh, I don't like that anymore because they like that and that resonates with them and that can't resonate with me. Yeah, Clubland just got a really hard rap and you've got some, like, if you look at, there's a guy called Darren Styles, if you know your Clubland. <laughs> Darren is an amazing musician, like a fantastic, fantastic musician. But because he does hardcore dance music, people don't rate him and don't realise how actually good he is. If you look at this day and age, Camel Fat, yeah. who are making all of the MK tracks, so... 17, Chemical, all of that stuff, all were made by Camel Fat as ghost producers. Camel Fat, one of them is Ultrabeat. Yeah. So Ultrabeat, it took him so many years to rebuild his life and rebrand himself. Mm. But now they're getting the credit that they deserve, but they're having to they're having to change their faces because they're not allowed to be authentic because they get judged. Not that yeah. they care. They're the least likely people to care. No, no. But when you listen to the radio, you want representation of the UK and blocking Clubland was not that representation. A busy week. We now have some choices to make. Uh, Scott, do you know where you are with your contenders and a winner? I do, and talking to you has changed it because one that I thought was going to be a contender, then I did my research and it dropped out of the pot and then we've discussed it again and we're back in a little bit. So I've got four. Right, give me your four. Four. Paffendorf, be cool. Third place, I'm going to do Scooter, the logical song. If it was a different week, this probably would have come out on top. Puddle of Mud, Blurry. And I think it's pretty obvious that it's going to be Kylie, really, for me, is it? So, yeah, Kylie, Love at First Sight is my episode winner. are very similar. Interesting. I didn't expect that to be exactly the same in a different order. Not quite. For Paffendorf, be cool. Okay. Three, Scooter, logical song. Uh Uh-huh. Two, Hero. Ah, that's what I was expecting, yeah. yeah. Hero, Chad Kroger. And number one, Kylie, Love at First Sight. definitely an order of sound there isn't there there is yeah 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 so you've now got a choice scott you've got kylie versus kylie so here we go you mentioned there's a track coming that's going to be like a big thing for you is it this week uh well i'll let you do your thing i'll let you i'll let you i'll give you a drone and you can tell me more this this love at first sight track sparks more joy in me so it's 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 pulling on the heart a bit more than can't get out of my head um can't get it in my head it's got so much logic to it because of the impact and the fact that I've spoken to people who 
have forgotten Love at First Sight. I know there's people that listen to the podcast think that this is better than Can't Get Out of My Head. I'm so torn. I'm so torn. Um, no. No. So the joy isn't pulling far enough away from the logic. And if I said to people, describe the video for Can't Get Out of My Head... I would get the description. If I said love at first sight, I don't think people would remember that because if they're going to remember anything else off Fever that isn't Can't Get Out of My Head, I think it could be Coming to My World, which is the next Kylie track. Yeah, okay. Can't Get You Out of My Head stays on. That's their problem, though. It's not, it's not your fault. They don't. You don't remember. Like they don't remember the. I know. I do. Th- I, it's back to the social impact. I think yeah. that the it was huge. It was huge, huge, and Kathy Dennis. You know? yeah. yeah, I think I like Love at First Sight better than I like as in yeah. as in, as, in, as in, like, again more joy. And, uh, and I'm 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 a joy person. Logic and logic go for this. Yeah, now. I think I can see I can see spreadsheets changing mm. to this. If they didn't, if people were in two minds about heading to Sugar Babes, this might have been the one that pushes them past Sugar Babes. But you, Sugar Babes freak like me. Yeah, is there anybody else though who still has Kylie as their? Is the same as you. I don't know. I don't. I think. I think most most people have moved on. Mm-hmm. You need to move on, Scott. You need to move on. It's not what it's about. No, no. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> <I know. laughs> uh, right. So, Sugar Babes freak like me versus Kylie Love at First Sight. Here's your drone. Um. Oof. Yeah. Mm. I think now I've got Sugar Babes. We're talking about different different criteria that they need to fight against, like the the, the build up that Sugar Babes got about being revolutionary and stuff. Like that's now a, that's the benchmark it needs to, that's that's the competition it needs to have, and this doesn't have that. Like it's it's brilliant and I love it and I've and I've always loved it, but it's one of those ones I don't think it needs the platform of being a winner. Like I don't think it needs to be. I don't I don't think I, I wouldn't feel right if Sugar Babes got knocked off by this. I love it, but it's not that kind of yeah, not that kind of thing. So disappointingly for Kylie, she is not going to go through. But Sugar Babes, stay on. You've just answered questions and like solved doubts that I had in my head because I've now looked forward to think in a, in a boxing match between can't get on my head and other stronger things coming in future is that battle better than love at first sight versus something mm. and it's can't get on my head's better in any future battle Oof. and freak like me is probably better than love at first sight in any future battle that you might have yeah so yeah I know there's, there's now things that I thought was going to be a big deal but now it's again sugar babes. It's kind of like mm. mm-hmm. it, it, the thing is right at the end of this ten year journey. It will probably have to be a case of we'll have to just pick something, regardless of what's yeah. left at the end. <laughs> It'll be like we'll, we'll we will have a song by the end. I'll have something from like two thousand and nine. You'll 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 have Kylie probably still, but we'll have to go actually. Let's nerf this and go back to something. Yeah. Like, I'll say pure shows probably now. And pure shows next. Um, anyway, pl- okay. pl- stick with us for the journey because we we're having a lot of fun and, and the, the chopping oh, and changing things, is great. Th- is this a thing you thought that was coming that was going to put Kylie off? No, no, okay, no. I just wondered because it was it being Kylie and your reverence for I wonder if it was... But no, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I haven't looked far ahead enough to see what it's going to be, but yeah. ha- is, it, is it soon? I don't... It's not... Do you think it's this year? Uh, I don't know. Oh, okay. No, I don't think so. All oh, right, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Interesting. Right. Well, stick with us. Uh, we've now got a decision to make for listeners' choice. Uh, we've, we've we've chosen three of the same each, but I've chosen Puddle of Mud and you've chosen Hero. I'm kind of inclined Ooh. to put both in because they're both second. Right. Should we drop out Paffendorf? Um, yes, because I want to see what happens with Scooter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Right, okay, so we're going to go for those uh, four. Head across to our Twitter page, at TNNPod, on uh, Twitter. We're also on Instagram and Facebook, and you can email us as well, TNNPod. Uh, so it's hello at tnnpod.co.uk. Thank you very much. Next time, we're going to have a Clubland classic from Kelly Lorena and Anthemic Misery from both sides of the pond with The Calling and Oasis and a fifth top ten from Licking on Both Sides for Mystique. And get ready to crack a window because the clothes are literally peeling off a certain Mr. Nelly. Hello. Hello.